Hi, I'm Kane, and I've always been a storyteller. Whether it be through my passion as a singer-songwriter or working as a journalist, I've always been drawn to crazy stories and telling them to my friends. But there are some stories that haven't been told quite enough. So grab a seat, a drink, and hunker down as we delve into the realms of those forgotten stories. Welcome to Breaking Bard. Stories untold, tales that we've spun Quite a few missing, where have they gone? Come fill your mind with ghosts of the past Now that we're breaking bad 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 Hello and welcome to Breaking Bard. It is episode three. Can I hear you scream? Woo! Woo! And here we have the one person audience that is Maeve Sally. Hey Maeve, how are you? Hi, very good, thanks. Are you alright babe? I'm great, thanks. Yeah, long week. It's been a long week, but it's been a quick week. Mm. Um, I'm going to France tomorrow. So off on your holly bobs. Off on my holly bobs. Get to see my family again Yay. after six months. So Belly. Looking forward to it. But uh, yeah, not looking forward to the journey. No. Um, used to be second nature. Feels a bit strange now. I know. It's just so harder. I mean, I did it myself 10 days and it was really just stressful and you're like oh this is not what it was like before I mean we used to just travel everywhere it, for me it's Covid and Brexit and it's all coming at the same time and it's just very dystopian feeling yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's weird very weird but we're all happy um we've had a nice week I'm very happy to be Friday that's why we're so energized aren't we mate yeah cheers by the way cheers ah, nice glass of Prosecco bubbly bubs bubbly that's what you need, you know. Some Fridays, it's just... Uh, Absolutely. You know. I feel like that's what we needed uh, last episode, a bit of bubbles. Um, we were on the uh, on the rosé, weren't we? We were. Uh, yeah. uh, blush. Blush. I do love a blush. Pinot Grigio blush. Uh-huh. And we were a bit tired, a bit more tired. It was a midweek episode. It was midweek. It was midweek. It had been a long day. Yeah. Um, was long it a Sunday, year. actually? It was okay. a... No, it was a Saturday that felt very much like a Sunday. It, midweek. It was um, fucking Saturday. Oh, my God. <laughs> that just how shows how bad we that? are. Oh, my God. I, I swear it felt like Tuesday, Wednesday Yeah, I vibes. was going to say Wednesday. But then I was like, no, because I spent the afternoon on the sofa. So, But that's the beauty about this podcast is that could have been like a Tuesday, Wednesday episode for someone who's living that Tuesday, you know. Yeah. That's the vibe we were giving. Yeah. But today it is full Friday feeling. Are you ready for a new story? Couldn't be more ready. <laughs> Okie dokie. So I, uh, we've done something different this time. I've given you a bit of a theme to look after. Can you tell our listeners what that's all about quickly? So Kane told me to do some research um, on a on part of something that's to do with the story. So I don't know what this story is going to be about at all. But he's given me a few keywords um, so that I've got a bit of context and get to share what I found out. Absolutely. Are you ready to dive in? Yeah. So, in true Breaking Bard uh, fashion, <laughs> I'm going to be starting by showing you a picture. 
Yay. Yay. Picture time. <gasps> but it's not just a picture. It's Ooh. a painting. I'm looking at a painting. Um, I'm going to guess like Renaissance kind of quite baroque. uh mm -hmm. I don't know, I want to say like 15th, 16th century, you know, those paintings that you see at like the Louvre or at the Prado Absolutely. in uh, Madrid, you know, all of those. Uh, so it's a naked woman sat on a bench kind of cowering uh, with one boob out um, mm -hmm. and her hands kind of up. And then two men leaning over the back of the bench, leaning over her and uh, and whispering. One's whispering into one's ear and the other one looks like he's talking to her. So it's bit pervy. Yeah, bit pervy. She's got blood on her feet. Just yeah, yeah, slightly dramatic. disturbing. Yeah, dramatic. So that painting is called Susanna and the Elders, right? And the person who painted this is called Artemisia Gentileschi. And she painted this at the age of 17. No way. Yeah. So the Prado, uh, Louvre, the kind of like great master vibe that you get. She was 17 when that she did this. That is so impressive. So, uh, listeners, as usual, you can find the picture that I'll be referring to on my Instagram post, um, at Breaking Bard. So, yeah. So, I'm going to tell you the story of this really amazing, just formidable artist who uh, fought misogyny throughout her life um, and was forgotten for hundreds of years. But now, uh, in the last century... Um, she's been recognised um, as being one of the most uh, accomplished painters of her time who managed to give a rare woman's perspective to an era that was largely dominated by the views of men. Wow. Oh, I'm really excited for this one, Kane. And this is a good one because there's drama, there's You know a I love lot. a bit of, uh, you know, old history. So this is the, as you guessed, uh, late 16th, beginning of the 17th century. Okay. So let's dive right in. So first of all, I want to thank uh, my sources as usual. This one I found an amazing YouTube channel called Know the Artist. And it's by the YouTube channels called uh, Several Circles. And it's this uh, young woman who has these really adorable cats. And I think she does all of like the visuals and stuff herself, but really just teaches you about painting and like artists. And I've never been a huge kind of like arty geek, you know, but I mean, there's something to well, be said. Well, you took art uh, I did A-levels. I did know. do the A-level French art, art plastique. Uh, I wouldn't say it gave me the best dive into the yeah, culture of the art. The best experience. No, but you know, you're right. I did have something. Um, so yeah, so this YouTube channel, um, loved it. Thank you so much. Please go check out her work. Um, and then also a article by Singulart called Susanna and the Elders, Gentileschi's Dramatic Feminist uh, Masterpiece. And that's really the, the article that really kicked it off for me. I read and was like, what the hell? So... Artemisia Lomi Gentileschi, because you know we love the full name, oh, yeah. um, was born in Rome uh, on July the 8th, uh, 1593. She was the eldest of seven children and her mother died at the age of 12. So she grew up with a single dad. Oh. Um, she was raised by this dad who's called Orazio uh, Gentileschi and he was a well-established painter uh, for the royals and upper classes of Europe at the time. And right. um, so Orazio just uh, Orazio, shoveling around. Orazio. <laughs> he had seven children, 
and he was a great painter. So he had a big old house and mm-hmm. like, it was like, it was an upbringing. It was, she was quite privileged for the time. Um, but uh, he was a follower of the colossal painter Michelangelo Merisi da Caravaggio. Oh, wow. So as you know, perhaps, uh, can you give us a little bit of insight onto Caravaggio if you know, have you heard of him? Yeah, um, so Caravaggio was one of my uh, keywords for today's episode. Um, so yeah, very interesting character. I mean, he was known to be the... Uh, he didn't invent it per se, but one of the main uh, painters using uh, a technique called chiaroscuro, um, mm-hmm. which I'm sure Kane might tell us more about afterwards. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, yeah, he he was the one that really went far. Very dark paintings. Uh, so he came after the the kind of traditional Italian art, which was all about beauty and aesthetic. And mm-hmm. um, he was much more about the the kind of dark side of things and uh, contrasts, and contrasts, stuff. and uh, like Jesus in a lot of his paintings has like really raggedy clothes and bloody feet, and it was like. Um, basically being like they were poor and I'm going to paint them as poor mm-hmm. and, and kind of choose that contrast and darkness over the aesthetic of mm-hmm. just I'm going to paint like a beautiful painting kind of mm-hmm. um, and yeah yeah well you can person. definitely f- feel that vibe in that first picture that I think yeah you. well very much yeah. well that's uh, as you said um, Artemisia herself would be known later as the only uh, female follower of Caravaggio's style of the time and his influence that can be noted in her mastery of this technique you were talking about known as the chiaroscuro which used to use the strong contrast in light and dark to achieve a sense of volume and mm. and kind of depth um, in the piece so very interesting um but so Artemisia was introduced to painting in her father's workshop showing much more enthusiasm and talent than the rest of her brothers um she learned drawing how to mix color how to paint and grew up in this like super creative context of seeing models come and pose for her father's every day you know Mm. and really got into that world and what's great is that her father encouraged this and didn't use uh, the excuse of her gender to not kind of support his daughter. So in 1610, at the age of 17, she completed her first painting called Susanna and the Elders, which is what you saw, her first painting. The painting tells the well-known biblical story of Susanna, a Hebrew wife, who was falsely accused of participating in sexual acts with a man who was not her husband by two voyeuristic judges. Those men, those creepy men that were peering at her, they'd been watching her bathe before making advances which she refused. And so in retaliation, they spread the rumor that she was an infidel, that she, uh, and and disgraced her name, basically. That's an oldie but goodie, isn't it? Yeah. Still coming back around these right. days. Right, yeah, absolutely. The townspeople believed the judges and called for Susanna to be killed, um, but a boy named Daniel, and this is from the Book of Daniel, a boy named Daniel saw through the claims of the judges and suggested they be separated and asked for their versions of events, which of course differed. And so uh, the whole townspeople were like, okay, no, let's kill the judges instead. <laughs> you know, just your good old family friendly Bible story. Yeah, oh, Daniel, there. <laughs> there will be death. <laughs> the question is who? 
So now the story of Susanna and the Elders has been painted before and since, but what's so striking about Gentileschi's version is how she conveys the young woman's distress. Yeah. Like her hand is pushing yeah, up against yeah. the, the, the judges um, instead of other depictions, yeah. which you can look, which where the women are almost portrayed as like the willing seducer, almost encouraging the men to come and harass her. Do you know what? You're so right. Mm. Um, you're so right. Like from seeing that picture, I mean, yeah, from just the way I described it, it mm. you can feel she's vulnerable. You can feel she's cowering and, you know, yes, there's a boob, but it's like a vulnerable boob and because yeah. like, she's hiding the other one and that's No, like... she's a master at vulnerable boobs. You'll see later <laughs> my favorite kind yeah. um but no and it's true and then you think of other paintings of that ilk mm-hmm. um and it, and yeah like you might often get a woman like kind of in a really vulnerable position let's say or kind of spread out somewhere with men everywhere but then yeah. pouty almost yeah. or you know like kind of lo- or looking at you like looking out of the frame um whereas here she's hiding her eyes almost it's, yeah, yeah that's shame. very true that's really true very interesting So the painting's realism really stood out, and not only would it foreshadow her success, but also a dark event that would alter her life just a year later. So I told you how her father supported her art. Well, in 1611, Orazio decided that Artemisia was no longer benefiting from his own tutelage and asked a landscape painter, Agonisto Tassi, to tutor her. Now, Mm. the next part of the story is quite dark, Um, just to warn the listeners. So, in short order, um, Tassi rapes Artemisia. Yeah. And at the time, women were expected to marry their rapists in order to avoid the sin of being deflowered out of marriage. No, because rape wasn't a recognised offence. So, basically, Artemisia starts sleeping with Tassi because she has no longer any choice because he's deflowered her. It's mental, isn't it? I feel gross. Yeah. It's disgusting. Isn't it horrible? Yeah. She was like 18, you know. Um, Ooh, she married this pig landscaper. Well, she didn't marry him because mm. nine months later, Tassie revokes his promise to wed her. Oh, Tassie, fuckwit. Yeah, absolute Sorry. fuckwit. <laughs> no, I mean, to be honest. Artemis's father, Orazio, is like, oh, hell no. And so he presses charges for the, quote, destruction of his property. How cringe is that? It's not about the rape. Again, it's uh, for nine months he was like, oh, well, they're getting married. They're sleeping together. How twisted is that? That's so wrong. Property. Yeah. Chinese property. (laughs) (laughs) So the trial, um, I got quite a lot of info from um, Artemisia, The Rape and the Trial by Tika Yupangui, which is um, an online book. And... um, So the trial began in 1612 and lasted several months. Another man, Cosimo Quarli, allegedly was involved in helping the rape occur, but didn't rape her himself. So he helped the guy get into the house because basically I looked into it and it was a huge house where there were servants and there were different people staying there and models that would live there. And basically... Um, him and 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 well, like he full on snuck into the house snuck for the expressed purpose to of rape raping her. her. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. And not only did uh, he do that, but he had help from one man and a woman who was living with uh, the family at the time. Apparently, she let him in and overheard the screams, but didn't do anything. So almost like a pimp kind of, you know. Never um, trust an open. Yeah, never trust an open. <laughs> 
So through the test, through testimony, we learned what happened. So basically, Tassi, on the pretext of looking at a painting which was situated next to her bedroom, threw Artemisia into her room and onto the bed, and then raped her. She tried to fight back, scratching at him and even throwing a knife that would superficially wound him. After the act. Surprised she was a virgin, he promised to marry her in order to manipulate her into continuing to sleep with him. Until nine months later, he revokes it and they go to court. So poor thing. I mean, she's just been through like this traumatic event, and like technically, it's not even recognised as an actual offence. And she's like, okay, well, I've got to marry this dude, you know, or I'll be fucked for the rest of my life, kind of thing. Well, wow, literally, literally. That's horrible. Yeah, it's really bad. So if that's not dark enough, during the trial, and this is what really piqued my, well, interest, because I could not believe this was true. During the trial, Artemisia is forced to endure a a physical examination down below in public to see whether or not she was a sex worker. As that was basically their go-to accusation. Oh, oh has God. she had sex multiple times? Well, she must just be a sex worker who was moaning and taken to court because he hasn't paid her. Oh, great. And then she was tortured with a horrific little device called the thumbscrew. No. Yeah, to prove she was telling the truth. And here's a picture of the thumbscrew. Don't, you haven't given me a picture of the thumbscrew. How horrific is that? Oh, for fuck. Oh, my God. I mean, it's literally (laughs) um, two bars with spikes on them that presumably you put your thumb into. Yeah, both thumbs, like this. Both thumbs? Yeah, like this. Oh, no. Okay, so it's two bars with spikes on and then a a screw going through the middle with one of those butterfly things that you turn uh, to make the spikes go down. And, uh, yeah, I guess you put your thumbs in there and then it fucking squishes you. That's horrible. That's horrific. And she was made to do that just to prove that she was telling the truth. (gasps) So as the device tightened... It was reported that Artemisia looked at Tassie in his face like a badass bitch and said, this is the ring that you give me and these are your promises. Like, yeah. Then between screams of agony, um, she continuously repeated, it is true, it is true, it is true. (gasps) E vero, e vero, e vero. E vero. And in defence of her account, and so they were like, okay, she's... She's not lying. She's telling the truth. Well, blow me down. I mean... Yeah, that's a lot to take in. Yeah, that's a lot to take in. And that's a lot to put a woman through just uh, when... Uh, that's just, already just been through I mean, you massive... wonder why we're still having trouble believing women in all sorts of... You know, that there's still this, you know, even today. And it's really interesting, um, but basically... Um, a three-woman theatre group would go on to write a play in 2018 based on the trial transcript. And it was played at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and even in London, and it's called It's True, It's True, It's True. So, like, these are, like, related parallels in 400 years of women who are going through really, you know, traumatic experiences and not being believed instantly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, after various testimonies proving her story... The jury also heard how Tassie was already a convicted rapist of his sister-in-law, his own wife, and that he had been planning on stealing pictures from the Gentileschi household. 
So this guy is just massive sex offender, roaming free. Absolute Traumatizing cock. women. Yeah. And then... The woman has to go through the thumbscrew. Not the man. Ugh. Um, so, both him and his accomplice, Cosimo uh, Quarli, were convicted. Tassi was sentenced to two years. Two. But eight months after the trial, he was prematurely released and pardoned by the judge. Turns out he was a favourite painter of the Pope, which may explain the sympathy he was shown by the judge. Great. Can you believe that? Thanks, old Pope. This 18-year-old woman who's a painter is going, like, home with sore thumbs and bloody, you know, a traumatised event and, like, no, he does eight months. You're off. Well done. High five. So, yeah, justice. Um... So in time, Artemis's hands healed and her father arranged a marriage with a painter from Florence named Pierantonio Stiatesi just a month after the trial. So, hey, you know, you've been raped. You've had to be brave enough to go to trial. You've been tortured and physically examined in front of everyone. Your person has gone. A month later, your dad's like, hey, want to get married? Yeah. So what the fuck? What the fuck? So her and her new husband relocate to Florence, and a few years later, in 1616, she became the first woman to attend the prestigious Academia delle Arte del Disegno, the Academy of the Arts of Drawing. Wow. And she became a court painter for the House of Medici and made many connections with academics of the time, including Galileo Galilei himself. There's letters that she sent to him. Oh, so, Galileo. Galileo. Galileo Figaro. Oh. So that's so cool. She that's was the really first cool. woman to attend this academy and just paint to her hearts. And oh, she was getting commissions good. upon arrivals. She was doing like frescoes and stuff like that. So many frescoes. I know. But still, um, a lot of the time, uh, female painters um, weren't thought of being able to withstand long paintings like frescoes on walls. So they were like... Sure, because they're like weak and puny, yeah. right? So like... The Pope, like, didn't commission a woman to do a fresco for, like, ages. Um, so Gentileschi was one of these few female professionals, even, of her time. Yeah. Which meant she had a salary and many freedoms that her peers were unlikely to experience. Um, yeah, she, well, sure. She bartered her own prices. Bring home the bacon. Exactly. Brought her own paints and materials and was even allowed to paint nude women, unlike her male peers. So during her time in Florence, she had five children of which only one would survive, tragically. Aww. A girl named Prudencia, like Artemisia's mum. Love letters were found that showed that she had an affair with a Florentine nobleman and that her husband, Pierantonio, was aware and even tolerated it because the lover's powerful influence would ultimately keep their family financially stable. So. Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, when you bring in the money and you mm -hmm. can, it's kind of like, well, yeah, I guess you can do what you want. I mean, basically, you get allowed the same powers as men do. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Mm. But after rumours began to spread, she separated from her husband and decided to return to Rome. Oh. So from then on, there's no, really no documentation mentioning her husband at all. So we don't really know if they were still married or she just lived apart or she was like, bad bitch, don't need you anymore. <laughs> like she got her paint, bad she got her bitch. connections. Bad bitch. <laughs> but she'd had enough, so. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Sorry, Prosecco went down the wrong hole. <laughs> Speaking of which, we could do with a little topic. I could do with a topic. <laughs> okay, and get some. Thank you very much.
Hey, welcome back. Great, fantastico. Feeling the vibes. Thank you. You're welcome. Cheers again. Cheers again. Ooh, Ooh. did a double ding. That was a lovely double ding. <laughs> <laughs> ding dong. Mm. You get a ding dong. I mean, Artemisia would certainly get a ding dong. She would absolutely get a ding dong. She yeah. gets three triple ding dongs. <sighs> For context, we are talking about Glow Up, uh, which is such a good show. Such a good show. um, You haven't mentioned my makeup, actually. Your makeup looks great, Kane. Thank you. It's really good. I really like the blue. It really suits your um, shirt. No, it really goes well with your shirt. Thank you. The colours really, really nice. Yeah, these are the first. This is the first time I've worn trousers in about eleven days. So you do mean like proper trousers? He hasn't been walking around the house naked. No, Um, (laughs) just the older jogging bottoms. But yeah, today I've got some real corduroy. Wearing a shirt, got some makeup on. For the vibes. Anyway, back to our darling Artemisia Gentileschi. So, <laughs> low pay and sexism were two of her biggest fights during her career and life. In a letter to her patron, Don Antonio Ruffo, she said, quote, I was mortified to hear that you want to deduct one third from the already low price I asked. Uh, also Ooh. adding a later letter, quote, and now I'll show your most illustrious lordship what a woman can do. <gasps> Bam! Wow, that's Sick so sucky. Love it. She, I, I mean, besties, I think. <laughs> we would have been besties. So over the years, Gentileschi would paint many heroines from mythology or the Bible, often using them as a way to self-portrait, which was really refreshing. And the oh. simple fact that women in pictures were rarely painted by women. Yeah, so, so of course they have no resemblance to what women actually are or do or feel or act or absolutely. anything. Absolutely. So our experts praise Artemisia's skill in capturing the realism of women's bodies. Mm. That first picture that she did in 17, um, if you look at, um, no other way to say this, the boob rolls, <laughs> so the rolls, rolls underneath her boobs, that wasn't shown before. And the way the breasts sit and, and the way, etc. Um, Can I see she, it again? Absolutely. Um, so here you are, like under the, how it, it's just so realistic. And at the time, like, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. And so like, they were like boob rolls. (laughs) Boob rolls are a thing. (laughs) Yeah. It's the way. (laughs) Yeah. Even that little roll kind of above her thigh. Mm -hmm. What's crazy is that a lot of people wondered how she actually, as a 17 year old woman saw that and a a lot of people pointed to the fact that she saw life models coming for her father growing up so she had a real she had reference to what women's bodies were exactly so isn't that interesting also like the 16th century isn't it funny how like they wore so many clothes and were so like humble and kind of like prude yeah but the paintings everybody's fucking naked. naked Everyone's naked. <laughs> Everyone's naked. So I think it's really interesting. Um, it was kind of their release. It was their kind of like, you know, Britney Spears sexy video of the 2000s that everyone was like, well, hey, you know, you know, that's their sexual release, if you want, is drawing these biblical. Plus, they use the biblical and mythological that's to be so like, really... no, 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 we're learning lessons from our history. But also getting a bit of an eye, you know. <laughs> that's a really interesting point, Kane. I've never really thought about it that way. But exactly. it's true. They're yeah. all naked. They're all naked. One series of paintings point to the dark trauma and desire for personal vengeance after she 
after Tassie raped her. This is seen in her fascination with the story of Judith and Holophanes. Holophanes was an Assyrian general who was about to destroy Judith's home, the city of Bethulia. This is in the Bible. Overcome with drink, he passes out in his tent. And using her influence as a woman, Judith is able to slip into her tent and decapitate him. So you might have... I wasn't (laughs) expecting... (laughs) Nobody is. What did you say earlier? There's always death. It just depends who. (laughs) Absolutely. And so true. So Artemisia's painting captures the moment Judith unflinchingly slices Holophanes' head off in a scene of female empowerment and revenge. Um, she tried painting it as already as a teenager, but then conquered it as an adult. Um, so throughout her life, she would paint six variations of this story. Wow. Before and after the, the decapitation. So a lot of people were like, you know, this is playing on her mind. I'll show you the picture now. She wanted vengeance. Put it under the light so you can see the chiaroscuro. Wow. Wow, that's so chiaroscuro. Mm. I mean, the the background is You're literally... You're so chiaroscuro. Thanks. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> 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 um, the background is just black. Literally. And then there are so many highlights, like bringing... Like, it looks so 3D, and that was the point of chiaroscuro, is to like make... Volume, exactly. Volume, and to make things come out. So we can see in this painting... Oh, is that a decapitation? Yeah, girl. Oh, shit. So <laughs> You were like, oh, yeah, the background. I love how you looked at the background first. It's because I'm not wearing my glasses, oh, Kane. And you were like, put it on the table, and I couldn't actually see. Gotcha. Um, You know, the chiaroscuro was too good. All I, could see. <laughs> I could just see that. Uh, that. <laughs> that background. I could just see that background, girl. Uh, no, so what it is, is a man... Uh, kind of clearly naked, but he's got covers kind of covering his, you know, like main everything. Mm-hmm. Um, he's lying on a bed and he's being decapitated. There is a woman holding his uh, hair and ear kind of, and beard really, that's the whole side of his face. And he's cutting his head off with a big sword. And there's another woman behind. That's her acquaintance. Her acquaintance. And, she's, and, that, and she, in the other pictures, there's pictures of them holding the head and putting it in a basket and like, oh, sh- yeah. Damn. So, like, she is basically just gunning for revenge. Well, she uh, has this really peculiar, Or she's like, got this, like, internalised kind of trauma, trauma. Of course. Of what happened to her. I mean, yeah, of course. It's so mental. really interesting that she went back to that every time. And yeah. And it's really an amazing picture. Again, it will be on my Instagram post. Um, so later in 1630, she leaves Rome for Naples which was a popular spot for artists of her generation. And she continues to hone and practice her craft. So she's done Rome, she's done Florence, she's done Naples. Yeah, the big old, the big three. (laughs) Um, In 1638, and so I went and Googled, and basically she was 45 at this age. Which oh, wow. is amazing because yeah, considering the... the average lifespan in the 17th century Europe yeah, yeah, was 35 to 40. They didn't last long. Um, so brava. That's like ancient at the yeah. time. Isn't yeah. it? No one had ever seen anyone make it past 50. I know. Well, <laughs> Artemisia joins her father in London Ooh. at the court of, can you guess the king? 1638. Come on, mate. Oh, God. Uh, okay. Uh, and he's not yeah, just a boy yeah, yeah, in George, yeah. George, George, George. He's like one. No, no, I know, I know. Hold on. Um, okay. Is it James? 
or Charles? Charles the first. If Charles the first. Yes! Oh my God. God. Um, for everyone at home, we are huge history buffs. And so like through books and like history dramas, we just kind of try and absorb it in. So well done, Maeve. Uh, yeah. I was like, should I ask her? I don't want to put her on the spot. No, you, no, that's I great. knew you'd get it. So she joins her papa at the court of Charles I of England. Wow. Where Papa Orazio had become court painter. And he was even uh, commissioned to decorate a ceiling in the Queen's house, which is in Greenwich next to the Maritime Museum. It's oh. really lovely. Um, for the Queen uh, at the time, Henrietta Maria. Father and daughter were working together once more. And Charles I had invited her personally to his court, which was impossible to refuse, obviously. So he was quite an enthusiastic collector, and um, the fame of Artemisia as a female painter probably intrigued him, because he acquired one of her paintings of, for his own collection. So he uh-huh. had one of hers before he was executed. <laughs> um So Papa Orazio sadly died suddenly in 1639... But I'm guessing he must have been pretty old because if say, she's already like, 45, she was 45. Oh, yeah. Well, they were. Let's not forget they were the nobility. Yeah. They were kind of the upper class a little bit. It's true. So leaving poor Artemisia alone to fulfil her commissions, she remained in England uh, for um, two for three years until 1642, uh, literally a month or two before the English Civil War. Good job she got out. Yeah, began. Literally, she just got out in time, um, which was between the supporters of Charles I and opponents from both England and Scotland. Like, it was everyone against him. Um, So, mum... (laughs) 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 Yeah, no, I don't know. (laughs) Not much is known about the next chunk of her life. Oh, wait, so you were going (laughs) to... No, it wasn't a name. It was just not not much. And I went into it and it went... (laughs) So not much is known about the next chunk of her life, but we know she returned to Naples and continued painting. Artemisia was thought to have died in 1652, but recently discovered letters show she was still alive and kicking and accepting commissions way into 1654. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But in these letters, they show that she was more and more dependent on her assistant that she had. So she basically, like, spent the rest of her life, you know, living in Naples, um, kicking it, you know, (laughs) (laughs) doing commissions, painting, kind of living her best life, I'm guessing. But it's believed that she died during the plague that swept through Naples in 1656... And virtually wiped out an entire generation of Neapolitan artists. Oh no, that's awful. I know. So it's really sad. We don't have a like direct, she's passed, she's no longer with us. We don't have an exact date, which is quite sad because we can't be like, oh, you know. Could be she nasted for years, you know. Yeah. And then just, you know, tranquilly. Mm, I think she was taken out by the plague. Oh. Sad, Sad as it is to say. But one of the most ironic um, kind of like facts is that she was quite celebrated in life. Like she was a commissioned painter, like she lived from it. Ironically, whereas a lot of people later on found fame in death posthumously. After years of being hidden away, her legacy is finally being heard. 
Artemisia has been praised for capturing the emotional and psychological experiences of her female subjects. In a painting depicting Cleopatra's final moments before suicide in order to escape the oppression of men, there's a peaceful dignity given to the heroine that transcends the otherwise morbid scene. So her art had a message and it was a message of dignity for women who were not shown this during their lives. Mm. You know, like every, every, she gave a female version to things that were already portrayed, you know, Bible scenes and stuff. But she kind of had this, well, how did that woman actually feel? Yeah. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Oh, this woman was seen bathing and then, you know, how did she feel? She wouldn't be smiling encouragingly. That's no, a man's view. That's a man's view. Yeah. Oh, that's a man's view of, oh, she must be bathing in that thing just to attract us and just to, you know, like be sexy when actually she's like, uh, I just want to swim naked in the water because it feels great. And stop looking at me, you pervs. Absolutely. Fucking pervs. <laughs> so ironically, much of Artemisia's work was falsely mistaken for her father's or for Caravaggio's. Really? Yep. Oh, wow. And it wasn't until 1970 when a painting of hers was uh, included in a collection of female artists at the Los Angeles County Museum of Art that people started to really notice, like, the difference and the impact of her work. Yeah, because it's true, like, when you showed it to me, I think on, on kind of face value, you look at it and go, oh, yeah, that's just another painting from that kind of style. But actually... She she bought like much more nuance and much yeah more of a woman's view I suppose which is really interesting and must be pretty incredible to look back on now and and actually like four hundred years the, ago the contrast um, and yet for four hundred years paintings were found oh must be her father's Caravaggio's yeah. you know do you know by the way about Caravaggio he killed someone really he murdered someone. What the fuck? He had quite a young career, like got well known and stuff. And then he like assaulted and murdered someone. <gasps> no way. And then spent pretty much the later part of his life and career on the run from justice. No way. Yeah. And he never got caught, but he was, he was like always He was a never caught? He was a fugitive. Oh my Christ. And he had a really troubled upbringing and, you know. That's tricky. amazing. He killed someone. That's crazy. Well, artist, troubled artist. Troubled artist. Yeah. She wasn't. Making bank, she was caught. Well, she caught to she court. W- she was traumatized because she was fucking raped. You oh know, she didn't Christ. have the privilege of being able to murder someone and then and get just away with it. Be the most recognized artist for that. Yeah. A type yeah. of painting, you know, is mad. Yeah, that is mad. So the the crazy thing is, her work is still being discovered in London last year, twenty twenty pandemic. So they they were actually. Um, I love that, sorry to interrupt you, but I love that that's your reference of 20, well, I mean, it is a reference for 2020, but you know, it's like you have to say it, it's like, last year, 2020, pandemic. Did I say the word pandemic? (laughs) That's what you said. I can't. It's like, you think of 2020 and you're like, okay, what happened in 2020? Yeah. Pandemic. Well, yeah, I mean, what else did? It's so, such a weird, such a weird one. Um, Poor sex. Oh yeah, cheeky. God, I love Prosecco. Fitting. Mm. The Italian theme. Mm Mm-hmm. Very fitting. Baroque. (laughs) (laughs) Prosecco is not Baroque. (laughs) No, it's not. Um, But it is an an art form, that's for sure. So, in London in 2020, a painting of David sitting on a slain Goliath's head... 
that had long been attributed to one of her father's students was actually found to be her work. No. Upon closer examination, the name Artemisia was found scribbled on David's sword. Oh. It's because it's like historians. Yeah. You just don't know, do you? That discovery came just before a planned exhibition of her work, the first ever at the National Gallery in London. And it was called, and it is called, Five Heroines by Artemisia Gentileschi. Oh, we should go and see it. We should. Um, and it says, I looked on the on the website and it says it was supposed to be, uh, it says a past exhibition from 3rd October 2020 to 24th January 2021. But I think it's been postponed because of COVID. So we'll have to call them to see if it's on and then go. That would be yeah, lovely. Yeah, that would be really exciting. I'd love to see that in the flesh. Yeah. And that's the story of Artemisia Gentileschi, the forgotten Baroque painter. Wow. Wow. Isn't I loved it cool? that. That's really cool. Did you love that one? I loved that story, Kane. I loved that. I mean, you know, because it's just right up my street. Like, you give me anything like... Old timey. Old timey. I'd say my sweet spot is between <laughs> like the 14th and the 18th century. <laughs> We're such geeks, aren't we? We I are, but it. anything in that, I'm just, I'm yeah, there. I'm 100% too. there. I've got the context. It's great. I get a real history boner. That's <laughs> a honer. A honer. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'd just like to say, like, this story, I remember reading it and being like, really, I mean, you know, the, the rape and the trial and the torture. That was really hard to listen to. Actually. It was really hard to listen to, and I'm sorry if it was hard to listen to, but... You know, I think this this is like, now we're on episode three. I think this is really the the thing I want to do with this podca- podcast is like, you know, tell stories of people that were forgotten. And well, this is so interesting because she fits perfectly within this context of, uh, y- you know, this period in history that you might think, you, well, not me personally, but one might think they know, oh, Caravaggio, who came from Michelangelo, and it's kind of around the same time as, you know, Da Vinci and all of these big names that you hear. And, you know, of course, ne- never once do you speak about a woman who was there and who also made an impact. So really great to be seeing these kinds of stories uh, reappear again, you know, of, of people who, like, you think the context or the reality of a history that you know is a certain way and then mm-hmm. historians discover something new yeah. and it just changes your whole vision of what that time would be Absolutely. and that's why history is so fascinating but especially when historians manage to focus on um you know like women or or minorities or you know the people whose stories weren't weren't told told. and who weren't in the mainstream at the time you know they just weren't recorded you think of all the forgotten people in today's time you know they're not posting on social media or being in the news or whatever and uh, you know people kind of slip through the cracks of history they really do and this is what i hope this podcast really gets through is you know we're not just like searching for for as you said like minorities or female stories it's because like there just aren't that many in mainstream society Mm. and you have to dig but the fact that you have to dig is what is actually crazy and Mm. i'm hoping that with these episodes um people can you know go away and have learned something and because i definitely learned 
that there was this badass Artemisia Gentileschi. Artemisia. I love the name too. It's so Artemisia lovely. is a great name. Artemisia and then Gentileschi. Like, it's oh. so great. What's her middle name? Lomo. Lomi. Lomi. <laughs> Lomo. <laughs> Slice of ham. In it. Slice of ham. Portrait. What else do you want? But yeah, I really, I'm glad you liked this episode. It was really it, fun Kim. to tell you this story. Yeah, it was really cool. Really good. Thanks so much for having me on again. Of I, course. I'm loving this. Loving it too. And I hope everyone at home is enjoying this. And if you do, please tell your friends, subscribe, etc. And uh, yeah, make sure to check out the Instagram post for all of these absolute gorgeous paintings. And yeah. um that was me, Kane, from Breaking Bart, telling you this story. And I hope you all have a nice evening. Maeve, would you like to sign off? Good night, everyone. And always stay. Breaking Bart. <laughs> breaking Bart. <laughs> stay Breaking Bart. <laughs> we'll find it. We'll find it. Right, okay, bye, everyone. Bye. bye. Breaking Bart. Breaking Bart. Breaking Bart. Breaking Bart. Breaking Bart. Breaking Bart. <laughs> 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 That's not an accent, by the way. I'm just doing a stupid voice. Maybe it's just being stupid. I love it. Let's go be up. All right, let's mate, be stupid. Let's go be stupid upstairs and watch Drag Race. <gasps> I can't even wait. We're going for such a girly night. Oh my god, and oh! we're in a fantasy league. So oh my god, <laughs> fantasy league Drag Race is what life is about right now. It's honestly <laughs> what's going to get me through three weeks without you. Oh, it's what's going to get me through. Three weeks without you. That's amazing. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> now that we